Hey there, and welcome to Shop Talk, the real estate show. I'm Brett Van Alstein, and in today's episode, we're joined by Brent Bowers, expert investor and owner of The Land Sharks, a real estate investing coaching program that teaches individuals how to create a passive income through buying and selling vacant land. Today, we discuss Brent's journey through active duty military service, his return home, and his desire to create a career that allowed him to spend more time with his family. This desire pushed Brent to invest in all types of real estate, but he found his favorite to be vacant land. Today, he's an expert in land investment and runs The Land Shark to help others get involved in this real estate space. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, I've been confused my entire people have been confusing me my entire life for Brett. So it's good to talk to another Brett. So <laughs> I get Brent too, so I get it. <laughs> Brett Brent show. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so to get us started off, uh, can you give us just a quick background, you know, about yourself and then how you ultimately got started in real estate? Oh man. Okay. So. I got my real estate license, uh, 2007 timeframe. Uh, it was right after the crazy hurricanes that hit Florida and I finally got it. It took me three times. I know you have a lot of amazing real estate professionals listening to this. Um, and then I bought my first rental property. Um, and I was, I was, I actually had a lawn and landscape company. I was like, look, I'm done with this. I'm going to go into real estate full time. Well, I've, I kind of had some terrible timing with it. You know, 2008 was rolling in and I just purchased a house at the top of the market. And I ultimately went to where I would be driving people around for days at a time to rent houses. And I was like okay. making next to nothing. And I got it in my mind that this is not for me. I got into to real estate to be an investor, not to drive people around to make investors money. Um, so my grandfather told me, he said, you know, join the military. Like you can go back to school and get another start. And then you do 20 years and you retire this great retirement plan. So I'm a good student. So what did I do? I joined the military. I uh, was in basic training a couple months later, finished that and was on the way to Afghanistan. So that was really fun. I was out of the country for a couple of years get back in 2013. Guess who's back in real estate? I had that entrepreneurship itch. This time I, I had let my, I didn't take any of my continuing education. I let it all go. Uh, I was no longer a realtor, but I did buy a house next to the college where the army was sending me to school. And I started house hacking before I even knew what bigger pockets was, or if that was even a thing, I swear bigger pockets like made house hacking the coolest thing ever. Um, that sure. gave me my ultimate start. And I'd purchased another rental a few months later. And then uh, then I started wholesaling houses. And then it's now time to move with the Army. And uh, me and my wife uh, that I had met while I was in college in 2013, uh, we're having a new baby. So we're moving to uh, Colorado. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep wholesaling houses out here. Well, as a full-time Army officer, I was smoked. I was super busy. So I was like, there's got to be an easier way to do real estate while in the military. And now, you know, babies are being born and I'm always away, always gone. And I'm like, there's, I've got to get out. I've got to get out of the army. This is almost eight, eight years in now. 
And I'm only home maybe half the time. And I stumbled on land. And this is why we're here talking today. So I know that's a long intro, but I was trying to oh, fast forward all these years. But I didn't really, I started in real estate, then did the military, then got back into real estate. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. When I was doing my research, I don't know why. I just assumed that you had done your time in the military and then got into real estate. But that's funny that you started before, had that kind of inner time and then got back into it. Um, but that I'm sure that entrepreneurial itch was just, you just had to get it scratched when you got back and you're like, this is, this is my time. I've got to do it. I now. mean, I was doing it in the military too. I actually, in Afghanistan, you could drive right off my base when I, we were in Fob Shank, Afghanistan, anybody that's a veteran on here, that's been there, you could pretty mm-hmm. much drive right off into the Afghan compound. Well, I was signal. So I would go on mission or I wouldn't go on mission. I didn't have to go on mission every time. And we had two uh, two RCPs, route clearance patrols that I was, I was servicing, making sure their radios work, their BFTs, all that stuff. But I would make right. a run by myself like an idiot and go to the Afghan <laughs> compound and go buy a ton of cigarettes. And then when my buddies would get back, I would sell them these cigarettes and make a huge profit. So I'm, I've always been an entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, I see. I so, see. You've always headed in. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, I didn't say this before, but you know, thank you for your service. Um, I'm sure everyone listening to this will, you know, think the same and would wish that they had the opportunity to say it's all safe for everyone. But thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. It's a great time. Best best eight and a half years of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so funny though that you would just go off base and do that. Yeah, it's really stupid. Uh, I do not recommend <laughs> it. I actually accidentally walked into a tent one time. I was looking for this little Connex container with a. Uh, mm-hmm. We call it the PX or whatever, like the, I forget what, anyhow, I'm looking for the guy that sells the cigarettes and I walk into mm. this tent and there's all these Afghan officials and, and guys around this round table. And I literally thought, I was like, oh my God, I just walked in like on a secret meeting. They're going to cut my head off or something. And they weren't happy that I was there. And uh, I would sure. never have told this on a live podcast while I was still in the military because I probably would have been in big trouble. <laughs> uh, but after a couple of times of that, I, I ended up stopping. You know, the money wasn't worth it. And I think sure. I more or less just was like, this is stupid, first of all. <laughs> and then number two, I kind of felt bad because I, I ultimately felt like I was ripping off my buddies. I would buy a whole carton for 20 sure. bucks and then sell them for $5 a pack. So do the math. you know? Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I certainly get it. Um, but yeah, I can understand why you'd want to stop doing that. <laughs> um, so, you know, here at the CE shop, you know, we know the benefits of veterans starting a career in real estate. Um, but why do you think more veterans should begin a career in real estate? Well, I'll tell you my story. I mean, what I didn't tell you was um, when I first joined the military, I was married prior. I was gone so much, right. always away, always deployed, always training. And my 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 first wife, she never saw me. Um, so sure. ultimately, it's like she was like, I'm out of here. And mm-hmm. when I met the woman of my dreams now, the, my, my wife now, um, and we got married and now we have a baby I'm seeing this pattern repeat all over again. I'm gone all the time. Now there's kids involved. It was getting mm-hmm. quite stressful. And you know what history does? It repeats itself. So I started getting very nervous. I was like, man, she's going to leave me too. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> so I was like, look, I'm going to build up this wholesaling business and I'm going to get out of the military. Well, one thing about wholesaling, you got to take time to go spend time with the people selling the houses. 
kind of like a real estate agent. You got to spend time with them, um, with, with your listing appointments and all that. And if I, I didn't get that contract to purchase, I probably wouldn't get it because I wasn't following up. Well, I was mm-hmm. listening to podcasts, still searching like podcasts like this, searching for answers. How can I, how can I improve this business while I'm working 13, 14 hours a day on post or mm-hmm. in the field or whatever? Um, luckily, I wasn't deployed at that time. <clears throat> so I stumbled upon land and I was already mailing the tax delinquent list for the houses. I was like, wait a minute, why don't I send it to the vacant land as well? And I sent about 687 postcards and my phone blew up. And these were people that were so far behind on their taxes. Some of it was inefficient land. Some of it was not buildable. Some of it was mm-hmm. not accessible. But I did two deals in a couple of weeks. And that second deal gave me passive income of $400 a month because I seller financed it. I got my money out of the deal first with the down payment that my buyer gave me. And now I had $400 a month and it's covering my truck payment. And something told me, it's like, wait a minute, this has got to be too good to be true. So I kept doing it. I wholesaled one, I flipped another one, and then I did another seller financing. Before I knew it, I was 10 months into it. And I was making almost eight grand a month on monthly payments from land. And I was like, wow. this is my ticket. And our, and our, our expenses were only 6,000 a month at that time. So we were financially free. I was like, yeah, I can yeah. ultimately get out of the military now and spend time with my children, see my wife every day. Um, and that's why I recommend real estate professionals, even whether you're a real estate agent, have passive income coming in, but absolutely veterans because mm-hmm. you know we can't bank on doing that 20 years. I didn't make it to 20 years. I made it to eight and a yeah. half years and my body's all beat up from it, but it, I now have passive income some of my deals are, I, I get paid for 30 years. I've got 116 of these things now paying me every single month. So that allowed wow. me to get out of the military and make, have life on my terms. Now I have, ultimately I do have freedom for myself because I'm not chained to a desk or sure. a, a job. Yeah. Yeah. When it seems like, well, you know, at the beginning of what you had said, how you really paid attention to seeing that pattern kind of happening again. You're like, no, I got to, I have to change this. Something has to change so that I don't, you know, lose out on what I care about most. Yeah. Like my, for my, my son, the first, I think two years of his life, I maybe only got to hang out with him like three or four months. And my wife would get Jeez. so mad because I would come home for four days or three days and I'd let him do whatever he wanted. Like I wasn't going to get yeah. on to him. She was like, <laughs> man, you got to discipline him. Like, that's what I need you for. So there was always mm-hmm. that f- constant fight with me. And I bet you that happens on all military. A lot of military families is the dad just misses his kids so much. And the mom is like, dude, you've been gone for three months. They're running a muck right. around here. I need you to like, take your belt off and discipline these kids. And that's the last thing lay down the law. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is lay down the law when I've been gone. Yeah. I just want to like, I want, I don't care. They, they don't bother me. <laughs> yeah. No, now that I'm home every day, I work from home now. Whew, I'll, I'll take off my belt and discipline a kid quick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to though. <laughs> um, so, uh, what like what, was there a point you had said after that first um, that first property that you had purchased? You kind of saw something like clicked in your head almost where you're like, "This is like you had said almost too good to be true." What was the step 
like the next step that you took to kind of double down on that? Was it just to, you know, buy another property or did you have to kind of lay something out where you organized it all to be able to ultimately approach that next deal? I wish I could say I'm that much of a strategic thinker. Um, But what I did was I started returning some of those phone calls that I had missed on those other land deals. And I started thinking that I've got to get better systems at this. I've got to get help. So I was already training an acquisition manager at that time to help me buy houses. So she started taking on the land deals. We started like intentionally following up with these leads um, because Mm -hmm. here's the thing, like not everyone's just ready to sell their land the first time you talk on the phone at a a crazy massive discount. So I started calling them. I started returning the phone calls. And I think the third one I did was with a bank. Um, The land was worth quite a bit. It was actually close to Shriver Air Force Base. Uh, got it under contract for twenty five thousand. The land was worth almost a hundred thousand dollars, and wow. it was with the bank. So I didn't have twenty five grand though. So I went mm-hmm. and uh, put signs on the side of the road all over the place. I was my goal was to do thirty three signs that Saturday because I got it under contract the Friday night. Didn't sleep that night because I was like turning in bed, <laughs> like thinking to myself, "This bank's going to sue me or put me in jail if I don't pay them the twenty five dollars in 30, 30 days." Yeah, I put forty four acres must sell 34 K my phone number. I had it under contract for 25. I'm sorry, 38 K 38 K 38 K I had it under contract for 25 K, but do the math 25, 35, 36, yeah. 7, 38. That's 14 yeah. grand. That was life changing for me. So sure. I hadn't even finished putting these signs out on Saturday morning. I think I was maybe up to 29 mm. a phone call. First one was like, get these signs off my property. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And the second phone call, I'm bracing for impact because I'm like, someone else is going to scream at me. Uh, and it was a gentleman. He said, me and my wife have been riding around for two weeks now. We sold our ranch in Texas. We're looking for a place to move. And like, we're seeing these signs pop up all of a sudden. Where are you at? Told him where I was at. Um, I said, you want to meet at the property? We shook on the side of the road that day. He wanted the land. He's going to pay $38,000. He knew he was getting a smoking hot deal. And I was getting a great deal because I'm about to make 14 grand. And I think I was more relieved that I didn't have to figure out how to come up with $25,000 back in 2016 (laughs) when I was broke. (laughs) I think we just had our second baby. Um, But here's the thing. The next day, I got calls on those signs. I got a $14,000 higher offer the next day. And now I've got a crossroads in my life. I'm like, I can go back on the word I just made with this gentleman on a handshake or I can call him and say, hey, man, I just got $14,000 higher offer. You want to split the extra? I'll give you seven grand if if you want to part ways just for meeting me on the side of the road. He said, no, I want the land. I said, all right, dadgummit. (laughs) So I sold him the land, but that I was hooked. So I kept doing it and doing it. We kept mailing and returning the phone calls and just going out there and literally, you know, failing forward, making mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> but uh, now it's turned into a pretty good passive income lifestyle. After the break, Brenton and I talk about the difference between investing in residential properties, vacant land, and commercial properties, what key factors he looks for before investing, and how the land shark helps those interested in real estate investing break into this space and find success. 
Are you or someone you know looking to get started with a career in real estate? The CE Shop's 100% online curriculum lets you learn from the comfort of your home and on your schedule. Enroll in our mobile-friendly courses today and save 25% with promo code SHOPTALK. This episode is also brought to you by Chime. Chime's AI-driven platform, custom-built for the real estate industry, helps agents, teams, and brokerages automate and accelerate their business to drive profitable growth. The centralized, customizable platform combines IDX websites, lead generation, marketing automation, advanced lead management, and powerful AI to cost-effectively capture qualified leads and turn them into new business. Download a free version of their new ebook, How to Leverage Technology to Recruit Top Agents, through the link in today's episode show notes. So there was, you You said it earlier, you had started off, you know, with a physical property and then it moved into land. Um, what was the point when you were just like, thought to yourself, land is the ticket. I'm going to, you know, stop messing with, you know, residential properties, multifamily housing, whatever. Land is what I'm going to do. What was the kind of that moment for you? And then can you also go into like why you think that? Uh, investing in land is better than investing in a physical property? I would say I never did stop messing with the single family or the multifamily. I have a commercial office space because here's the thing about land. There's mm-hmm. nothing to depreciate. I cannot depreciate that land. But if I buy a, uh, my, my office building, mm-hmm. I get to depreciate it. So I get to write it off on my taxes. It's mm-hmm. rented out yeah. 2,800 a month. Um, I also get the mortgage pay down. I'm also getting appreciation. Uh, so I'm ultimately building wealth. So I took one cash flowing asset and bought another cash flowing asset. So I I didn't stop because here's the cool thing is real estate goes hand in hand. What does all real estate sit on? And that's mm-hmm. land. Right. So I feel like it's the foundation. And I think when it finally hit me was when I hit probably 15 or 16,000 a month. And I looked at all my, my rental properties and that's 16,000 a month coming in on land payments. Okay. Um, I look at all my rental properties and I purchased one in 2007, that one we just talked about when I got my real estate license. Mm-hmm. I thought I had to have a real estate license to, to see all the deals coming across the desk. Right. And I literally bought the first one I saw. It was one of my um, sister agents um, in our brokerage and she had the listing. I, I put the offer. So I'm getting paid to buy this house, right? Well, I buy it for $129,000. Um, the market crashed so bad it's now 2016. It may be worth $120,000. Okay. I've been written it out for many years at $900 a month. My mortgage is $750 a month. Mm-hmm. So do the math, $859. I'm getting like $150 a month net income. Sure. Well, something always breaks. Yeah. You know, the roof leaks, the septic tank goes out and needs painted. Oh, I had to evict the tenant. Um, you name it. Like, yeah. So I actually never made a single penny off that house until I sold it in 2019 timeframe. Mm-hmm. And I, I sold it way too soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> I should have never sold the darn thing, but I was like, I wanted to help my tenant. She wanted to buy a house. And I'm like, well, maybe I can recoup some of the money out of it. I sold it for 135, 135. Um, yeah. So it really never made a penny on it. So that was kind of, I'd say 2019. I was like, wait a minute. 
all these land deals, I'm getting my money back out fairly quickly. Let's just say that I didn't get that so that second deal that I seller finance for 500 down and 400 a month. Let's mm-hmm. just say I didn't get my 500 out of it. Who cares? I would have been profitable in one month yeah. or two months when I got that second payment of $400. Wow. That's cool. Well, yeah. And that's, <laughs> had you waited a year on that house, you probably, well, a year yeah. or two years. I mean, the market just absolutely skyrocketed. Yeah. The key is to never sell, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. And, uh, it's like, I'm now, you know, you get the mortgage pay down. It really starts to go down quite a bit in seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but, uh, land, I, I like being able to not have much invested in it. Or you might say, well, what about a bigger land deal at, you know, 10 or $20,000? Well, if we did some math, if I'm buying a piece of land, I generally try and get them at 30 to 40 cents on the dollar. Okay. So if I'm buying a, a, a piece of land that's worth 30,000, for $10,000 and those are out there everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I borrow the money from, let's just say mother-in-law at 6%, 10,000. And I'm selling to you, Brett, for 30,000. Cause that's what it's worth. You're going to give me $1,000 down and then you're going to pay whatever, however much a month for the next, you know, eight or nine years at say 9% yeah. on 30 grand, you're paying 9% on 30 grand and I'm only paying 6% on 10 grand. So there's an arbitrage and I can do those. I can, I can never stop. I don't ever have to stop doing those. I just got to find people that want to lend me the money sure. and it's not hard to do. There's money everywhere. Is there a, uh, when you're looking at vacant land, is there a threshold of, you know, the lot size acreage, whatever you want to call it, um, that you're looking for? Or are there any other sort of factors that you look for before you ultimately invest in land? Um, is there like a checklist that you kind of have, or is it just purely, you know, based on the numbers, I know I can get X out of it. So this seems like a good deal. It's really, you kind of answered the question. I really base it on the numbers. I want to get a Mac. I want to get a massive discount mm-hmm. as much as possible. So there's room for me to sell it. You know, even if I don't get an interest rate, I want to kind of three X my money. And I didn't come up with that. You know, Warren Buffett uses it that he, yeah. you know, learned from what is it? Alexander Graham in the, uh, uh, the greatest investor. I'm trying to think of the book. I got it on my shelf there, but he talks about the margin of safety. You get it at such a discount where you, you know, there's hardly any risk into it. And that's the same thing we do plus add interest. Um, So as long as the numbers work, I also like to be on the outskirts of growth, you know, where growth is happening just on the outskirts, because, you know, that's where the deals are to be found still. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there aren't deals right inside the growth area. You sure. just got to send a few more mailers. <laughs> um, I also, you know, generally like to stick within a, when I was just starting out, I, I, tr- I did it in my own backyard and it was about a two hour radius that gave me the ability to go put out signs if I needed to meet the buyer, meet the seller. Um, and there's a lot of land if you do a two hour radius um, right. in your own backyard. And if they're already in the real estate business, like okay. operate in your own own zone, your own farm area. Sure. What you know best. Exactly. So you, at this point in your career, you obviously have um, people that are working with you and working for you. Do you, you're, I'm assuming you're outside of this two hour radius at this point in your career. Are you doing oh, anything yeah. out of state or is it still all in state? 
You know what? Uh, we started out in Colorado where I was stationed mm-hmm. and now I'm in Florida, but it's funny. My dad was in Florida, got him involved in real estate. So we, we jumped in Florida and then we had this huge package of land brought to us by another land investor. He was buying like 300 parcels. He's like, you want to go in halvesies type thing? Yeah. Um, so we went into Arizona. Okay. And now what's really cool is doing these podcasts. People will bring me deals. Uh, we just went in Connecticut and Pennsylvania. And I don't really like going stretching that far that quickly. I'm not sure. mailing these areas. I still have my, I haven't forgotten where I've come from basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because once you build that, that footprint, it's way easier. And then realtors start figuring out, Hey, you're doing land. Uh, what do you think about this? And it's, it just really compounds on itself. Um, so that's how I started, but yeah, it's, it's just a matter of time before you can own land in like eight different States. Sure. Sure. And then, um, you know, as you kind of get started branching out into these other States, was there a point where, there was almost like kind of a concern of having that kind of, it's not, you know, quality control per se, but that thought of, gosh, I don't know this area as well. Or was it just mainly you trusted the people that you were working with in those states? Oh yeah. So what do we do when we start that? We, we get a realtor to go and look at it before we actually close sign on the dotted line uh, mm-hmm. before we actually hard close on it. Uh, we'll also try and buy it at a bigger discount just for, the margin of safety, you know, sure. just for security reasons. Um, and then a lot of times we'll try and have a buyer lined up beforehand as well, because okay. you know, what if I get stuck with the land? Well, what if I already have a buyer lined up? Yeah. Yeah. So how would you facilitate that? Is it just purely based off like your network and who you're working with and who they know, or are you able to communicate this out, you know, via um, email, your website? Um, how do you kind of go through that process? I'm not sure I understand the question. So you were saying that um, to mitigate risk on an out-of-state vacant land purchase that you're lining up the buyer beforehand, is that coming down to you or is that coming down to who you're working with in that state? Uh, yeah, we, if, if someone brought us a deal, yeah, we'll, we'll work with them as much as they'd like to, but really it's on my team. Okay. Um, now at this point, if, if we buy it at a large enough discount, we know that it's like, okay, here's the numbers. This sold for 30,000. We're buying or right down the street, it sold for 30,000. We're buying it at 10. Mm-hmm. We'll take those risks, even if okay. we don't have a buyer lined up. Okay. Uh, we'll also, you know, mitigate risk by sending the realtor as well, because, Hey, there's one property we almost bought. It's so funny. Um, this one was in Connecticut. Uh, basically they called in, we were going to do the deal, super cheap property. Um, I think it was like under 5,000, but we decided not to, because on the plat map, it looked Mm. like there was roads, but there was no roads going to any of this land. Um, Uh not that we wouldn't buy it for less, but they just couldn't go that low. Um, another case we're buying the land. Realtor goes to do, and, and we don't just pick any realtor. We pick the realtor doing the land deals. We, sure. You can see who's doing the land deals on Redfin or Zillow or landwatch.com. Mm-hmm. But another realtor goes, hey, there's a building on this one. We bought three in uh, Pennsylvania. The third wow. one had a building with water and electric and sewer and all that. So we sold the two land lots. Now we have a building for sale as well. And that'll be pure profit because we got all of our money back out mm-hmm. the land sold, sales. So- wow. 
Sometimes they tell you great news too. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always bad. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, beyond um, this whole investing side of your career, you are very much focused on educating and helping people get into this space, which is uh, Landshark. Can you tell myself and the listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm having a, such a good time uh, buying and selling the land. Uh, I was running a meetup out in Colorado Springs and I was approached by the owner of Wholesaling Inc. Uh, used to be, it was a former owner of Wholesaling Inc., Tom Kroll. He's like, you really need to teach people how to do this. And I was like, well, wait a minute, I'm teaching people how to do it for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, I joined, <laughs> joined on with Wholesaling Inc., um, wholesalinginc.com forward slash land. Now we teach people how to build a business around buying and selling land. Uh, it's all my mistakes wrapped up in a, in a tiny little bow package to show you not how, how to avoid these mistakes. Um, and it's amazing. We've got uh, students. I just had a guy in Idaho, um, Josh Sloan. I hope he doesn't mind me saying his name, but like <laughs> the guy has literally made like $180,000 in the last six months on land net profits, um, just doing really well. Uh, some guys set it up passively. Some guys just flip it. Right. Um, another friend of mine, he's an army captain, uh, literally doing about a hundred thousand dollars a month in net profit flipping land in Texas. Jeez. Well, and it seems like, yeah. you know, Idaho, Texas, those are two pretty big markets, especially for vacant land. You know, oh, not, yeah. not every state has as much land as, you know, they possess, especially out West, you know, that's where you can get pretty good deals on that kind of stuff, especially for the price breaker. Um, oh yeah. So, uh, Diving a little bit more into Wholesale Inc., um, you host your own podcast for them, which is another great platform for spreading your education. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, Wholesaling Inc., I love them. They're student first. Uh, I was a Wholesaling Inc. student. That's how I learned how to wholesale houses. And I mean, it's just when we make a decision, it's like, okay, is this going to hurt or help the student? Mm -hmm. So I, I went on board with them literally a little over a year now. And it's just been incredible. Uh, we're always trying to figure out more things to provide for the student to, and ultimately it's, it's hard getting out there and doing your first real estate deal. Sure. Uh, so it's not just education, it's more instruction. And here's the instruction. Now you have to take the action and then the result will come because you took that action. And that's where the education comes from. It's not just a course, it's a course, it's a support group. It's weekly coaching calls. It's not just, hey, you, you're going to watch my videos. You're going to see me on these coaching calls. You're going to see me in the support group because, and oh, by the way, I can't take your phone call right now because I'm doing land deals still. So all of our coaches, <laughs> which is really cool, we're all active investors. We're, we're practitioners. Right, right. That's awesome. And that's, it's so, you know, refreshing <clears throat> to hear. There's a lot of times where, you know, people get into, some sort of education program or course, what have you, and they take the course and then that's kind of it. That's where they're left off. And they're thinking, okay, I have the knowledge, but now I'm expected to kind of just go into it, not truly knowing what that actionable side of it is, but it sounds like with Wholesale Inc. that um, you're almost there to kind of help guide them through the post-education getting to the actual, you know, being in the field of it, which is awesome. Yeah. That's so, that's such a good way to put it. I mean, cause I'm guilty of it myself. I've read so many real estate books sure. and went to so many $5,000, three day seminars, four day boot camps, 
uh, before 2013, when I finally started pulling the trigger. Yes, I pulled the trigger in 2007, Mm -hmm. but I took a long little stretch and I graduated high school in 2004. And from that day, I always wanted to be a real estate investor. Why did I only buy one house in 2007? And it took me till 2013 to buy a second one. Yeah. Like that's a long stretch from 2004 to 2013. Right. So, well, given that crash in uh, 2007, 2008, I don't think anyone could blame you too much. It's not exactly <laughs> something that's uh, a welcome into that space. Yeah. A lot of people's hands got burnt. And it's, once your hand gets burned on the stove, it's like you're not going to touch it again for a while type right. thing. So, <laughs> uh, but I wish I should have, would have, could have, you know, I mm-hmm. wish I would have taken action sooner. Cause if I could tell your listeners anything, if you're, thinking about starting that business or getting your real estate license or, or whatever it might be starting that next, you know, whatever that next business, just do it. Like get out there and take the action, find someone that's a little further ahead than you and partner with them, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's something that everyone that, you know, they have that desire to take that next step and whatever it is, whether it's, you know, investing in land or getting your real estate license, what have you. Um, but it's that fear of failure that often, you know, kind of stops people from ultimately committing to it. But like you had said earlier, you're a prime example is you literally failed upwards. You may have made mistakes, but you learned from those mistakes and then, you know, didn't repeat those mistakes and, you know, look at you now. It's, it's a prime example of not stopping just because of having that fear to fail. That's true. And I wish you, I would have heard you say that years and years ago, because we're always so afraid of failure, but now it's like, man, these failures are my biggest assets. And they're really not even failures now that I look at them. And it's like, like Tony Robbins says, and I think he took this from Jim Rohn, but uh, you know, they say, they say like, look, when you, when you're winning, you party, Mm. when you're failing, you ponder, like when you, when you make a mistake, you ponder, Um, so it's some of my failures have been some of my best ponders was like, okay, how can we avoid that next time? Right. Uh, Or how do we, you know, fix this? And then we're ultimately better off for it. Yeah, definitely. I like that saying. Um, so for those, you know, that aren't fully, um, committed to investing in land, but you know, they kind of have that general interest, what would you say is the best way to, for them to get started in that space? Is it to, you know, get in contact with Wholesale Inc.? Yeah. I mean, the first step is let's get you taking some action, you know, pick your playground. Like you're already somewhere, you're already, you're, you already live somewhere. So let's start planning on that area. Then let's get you in touch with landowners mm-hmm. and let's start communicating with that landowner, whether it be uh, sending them a mailer, just saying you'd be interested in meeting with them about buying their land um, I also have a YouTube channel called Brent Bowers. If you go to YouTube and search Brent Bowers, like I can start educating you from YouTube. If you really want to just take action immediately, absolutely head on over to Wholesaling Inc. That's wholesalinginc.com forward slash land. Um, jump on a call, schedule a call. We'll jump on a call, see what your real estate investing goals are. And if we feel like we're a great fit, man, I'd be honored to coach you and, 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 push you <laughs> to get you to take action to build this. That's awesome. So I meant to ask this earlier, um, but you had said that when I'd asked about, you know, getting in uh, for you, getting started in investing land um, and 
not so much the physical property side, but you had said you're kind of doing both. Yeah. Do you think that, like, what are the pros and cons to to either? Um, like, why do you, what would be the, I guess, the biggest differences between investing in land versus, you know, investing in uh, property? You know, I do both because it's just, if you're already in a market, you might as well mail the houses and the mobile homes and, mm-hmm. the, and the triplexes and the duplexes, um, as well as the landowners, because ultimately you, you want to hold on to some of this too. And it really helps me on my tax bill at the end of the year. Um, so here's the thing, my, my land payments are taxed as ordinary income. Um, so I have to offset that by owning buildings and then there's buildings, like I get to depreciate and all the renovations and whatnot. Um, so I, th- I believe it works hand in hand, kind of like a, a real estate agent that comes across that great deal from time to time. It's like, look, look, Brett, we don't want to list it. Would you buy it? And like, I'm telling you, like, if you're in real estate long enough as an agent, you're going to get some serious deals thrown in your lap and you might be a brand new agent and you might not know what to do with it. Well, contact the guy that is a a real estate investor and partner. Sure. Yeah. And I think, again, that's something that one people probably wouldn't think to do. And if they did think about doing it, would ultimately hesitate on, you know, is this person just going to partner with me out of the blue? Like, why would they partner with me? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so for you, when you're kind of, when you started getting into like entering this space and you thought about how do I best network with people, how did you approach that? Or did you just kind of like go, you know, full out and be like, you know what, I'm just going to call up a bunch of people and whoever says yes, says yes. And if they say no, then that's okay. And I'll move on. Yeah. No, I tell you, how did I start building partnerships was luckily my real estate broker that was helping me with a lot of deals. He's like, Hey, let's start a meetup. And I was like, well, I'm just kind of getting into this. I don't, I don't really know as much as I should. And he goes, well, between the two of us, we'll be able to work it out. <laughs> um, so we started a meetup in, in Colorado Springs. They meet on the uh, first Tuesday of every month at 6 30 PM still in Colorado Springs at third space coffee. And they're still going, there's over 1200 members now. And I can't tell you how many deals that I did with those members and how many lenders were in that group and how many contractors and uh, title agents and insurance guys. So when you start associating, I'm not saying go out and start a meetup, but go to one and figure out how to serve those people in that room. We all have God-given talents. Sure. Like whenever I was in college, the, uh, I was able, and still I was able to, I was still in the army, but also going to college, I was able to do an internship for a while. Guess who I interned for in 2014 was a, was a house flipper in Melbourne, Florida. And I would be, I went, I was a guy that went and mowed the grass and uh, pressure washed the house and made Mm -hmm. sure the punch list was done. I worked for free for a few months, but I got to see an operation. Right. And then, you know, there's so much value in the experience of things instead of, you know, just learning it in a classroom per se, which it sounds like at the time you were certainly doing it both, but that, you know, that hard experience is always super valuable. And I think sometimes people don't think that they should even work for free, but if you're working for free and the exchange is experience like that, that's so valuable down the line, like why not? Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it as free. I was, now that I think about it, I was using my pressure washer, my lawnmower, my gas, my time. But, you know, now I had somebody that I can fall back on and ask questions. I got to see their process. And um, 
that's, that was a huge investment. It gave me more confidence to just go out and do it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I had a similar experience like that for a summer. I worked for a contractor in Wisconsin and, um, that was probably one of the best summers that I've ever had just because I had so much hands on work, you know, working and renovating in these houses, but I was also his sales manager at the time. So I was kind of going both seeing both sides of the business and he taught me so much that summer. And that was certainly invaluable. I got paid a little bit, but certainly not enough to be driving all over Wisconsin and facilitating these deals. Yeah. Hey, but it worked out. Yes, it did. Yeah, it did. Um, okay. So for those listening to this episode and who are, you know, ultimately, um, you know, again, getting interested or interested in getting started, you had said going to wholesale Inc um, forward slash land is the best start. And then on your website, you can kind of just press that get started phase. And I think it's a three phase process. Um, anything outside of that? No, uh, wholesalinginc.com forward slash land, schedule a call. Um, if you want to go out and, uh, you know, check me out some more, head on over to YouTube and type in Brent Bowers. Uh, I'm putting out videos five days a week talking about land investing, uh, military, uh, entrepreneurship. So it's, it's been fun doing that as well. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Last question. This is someone, this is a question we ask all of our guests. Um, if you could go back in your career and change one thing, what would it be and why? I wish I would have gotten started sooner. That very first <laughs> seminar I went to in 2004, 2005, um, and maybe teamed up or, and like we just shared, worked for one of those investors in that room, you know, it just started sooner, first of all, and maybe tagged along sooner with that, that guy that was flipping houses. I could have, you know, bird dog for him or, you know, join force, just gotten started sooner. That's the quickest answer I can give. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that certainly makes sense. That's something that I've heard plenty of times from um, previous guests is just, they wish they would have gotten started a lot sooner so that, you know, you ultimately get those first mistakes out of the way faster, you learn faster and you can grow a lot faster. That's so true. Get the mistakes out of the way now because they will come. <laughs> they will absolutely <laughs> You know, you can hire a coach and avoid a few of them. But, sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, that's it for my side, Brent. Um, you know, do you have any questions for me? Um, anything anywhere else you'd like to uh, point our listeners to? No, Brett. Appreciate you having me. Have a blessed day. Awesome. Thank you very much. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks, Anne. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to us and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Have ideas of topics that you'd like covered? Let us know in the comments below. We always appreciate your feedback. Shop Talk is a production of the CE Shop.